Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Did you know that 10% of all small businesses in the U.S. are franchises? I didn't know that. And I invited Steve Taylor to come on to the Edges of Lean with me and tell me about franchising and franchise businesses so we could think about what that means to those of us in the world of continuous improvement. Steve Taylor has an extensive background working in large businesses and small in sales and operation roles. In addition, he has owned and been partners in several business ventures, and he's passionate about spreading the gospel of small business. He lives in Northern California with his wife and three children. Steve Taylor, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you very much, Bella. Hey, Steve, tell us about Steve. What do you do, and how did you get to do what you're doing? Sure. Uh... So I'll give you a, a brief history of, uh, of uh, what's that movie? Brief history of the world. The, uh, no, I, I grew up in Fresno, California, went to the Naval Academy, graduated, served in the Navy, um, ended up going into industry, following that in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, enjoyed the heck out of that. And uh, about, uh, let's see, it's been about 14 years ago, I got the opportunity uh, to start my own business, which ultimately, for a variety of reasons, ended up uh, being a franchise business. Um, three years ago, I was contacted uh, uh, by a friend of mine, um, the guy who actually sold me my franchise, and said, hey, you got to check out what I'm doing now, which is um, essentially two things, representing uh, about 350 different brands, and uh, also working with um, with companies who are transitioning or adding uh, a franchise model. And um, so uh, I've been a partner in that business for um, about the last three years, give or take. And um, in a nutshell, that's what I do. I two things. I, I work with people that are interested in exploring um, business opportunities, particularly franchises. Uh, but I also work with companies that currently have a business and um, want to see about growing uh, through the application of a, a franchise strategy. Wow. Wow. So like many people, a path that, that took you in, in several different places. Can you explain to us, like, first grade level, beginner's <laughs> level, what is franchising? Um, so at the most basic level, what you're doing is... Um, renting some some IP, um, a way of doing business and operations man, manual, uh, getting the, 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 uh, the, the right or paying for the right to market a particular service or product um, in typically a geographic area, although there are different ways you can define territories, but that, that's at the very basic level. Um, 
a lot of people don't realize they think McDonald's and McDonald's been around for 70 years. Well, the model's been around a lot longer than that. I mean, uh, a lot of the early exploration was done by uh, franchise organizations or people using the same franchise X. Uh, you know, the Knights Templar, I mean, banking franchise, right? Uh, very, very, very similar. I mean, although the means were very different, um, there are people uh, basically leveraging uh, the capital and uh, overcoming uh, other people, the, the capital, and, the, and that includes human capital, um, and expanding their reach over vast di distances. And uh, uh, the concept is basically uh, basically the same today. So what you're saying is, is, is when somebody is a franchisor, that is that they are expanding their business in that way, what they are doing, and I love the word you use, renting, is, is renting out the know-how, right? And the brand, what, you know, what, and, you know, the expectation that people have about the brand to somebody who is bringing in the capital, bringing in, managing the people, and that means that you as a franchisor, that kind of takes a bit of a bur the burden off you of, of growing the business by opening a new site yourself, um, you know, th things like that. Right. Most of the business owners uh, who do that have a real passion uh, for building a business, but not necessarily operating a business. So um, what, what a franchisor will do is leverage uh, uh, franchisees uh, to operate um, operating units. I mean, there's, it's, uh, it's, it's not much more challenging or difficult than that, really. And then on the other side, what's the, what are the benefits for the franchisees? Well, um, uh, probably the, uh, uh, the biggest benefit is you're, you're, um, you're getting a proven business model, right? Um, I, uh, I'm not in a position to quote numbers right now, but, um, you know, let's use an example like McDonald's. I mean, that's an extreme example, but, um, you know, they're successful, you know, they've proven that, um, they can, they can make money, that they can build a business almost anywhere. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what you're purchasing is that proven business model and the ability to validate that, a way to do things. It's important to note, um, and again, I'll use McDonald's. I'm sorry if there are any McDonald's lovers out there. Um, <laughs> you do, yeah, they, in nowhere will you ever read that, that uh, McDonald's makes the best burgers. If I'm hungry for a really good hamburger, it's probably not gonna be a McDonald's hamburger. I'm just saying that's, that's the reality in my life. Um, but again, the focus is on building a profitable business, uh, not necessarily being the best burger in 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 town. So that's and that's what the franchisee is is getting is people. What people know McDonald's, they see the golden arches, they know how you know approximately what they can buy and um, how long it's going to take them to get it. Yeah, it, it, you know, again, using the 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 um the the example of mcdonald's it's brand consistency i mean they have a very a lot of people are concerned because uh they think um 
franchisees straight jacket their their I'm sorry franchisors straight jacket their franchisees. Um, you know, uh, uh, in one sense, they certainly uh, in McDonald's sense they do probably more than uh, most franchises. I mean, they they dictate the vendors, they dictate the you know the 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 finishes down to a very very fine uh, minute level. But again, uh, when people purchase a franchise, that's what you're getting. They have a model to make money to to, right. to build capital. And then you as a franchisee, you don't have to go out and do the market research about, you know, what the seating should look like, right? Right, you know, right, right. You know. you're, uh, you're, you're getting a lot for your money. Um, right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's interesting to us um, who are working in, in the lean and continuous improvement field because, because we are all about standards, you know, and the idea that, if you want to improve, you need to have a standard. You need to know what it is that you're doing in order to see what needs to be improved. If you're doing different things all the time, you can't possibly figure out what to improve. Yes. So that that consistency is, you know, is very much aligned with a lean thinking, continuous improvement point of view. You, you know, I couldn't, you, you know, it's, um, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I tell every single client in writing that um, quality is about uh, establishing and holding um, employees to high levels of standards or high standards. And, and, um, and that's, you know, the first part is establishing those standards, right? But then consistency, you know, and accountability. I mean, those, those are equally, you know, you got to be consistent. And you got to hold people um, to accountability or accountability. And the, those three factors all work together um, in any business. But, but franchises, the idea is the franchisor is, has already established those standards or is well on the way for, to defining those standards. Yeah, so so you know that I love the show Undercover Boss, you know, because from a lean and continuous improvement perspective, what is better than seeing an executive going out to, as you know, that what we call the Gembics, going out and seeing where the work is 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 going to be done. And one of the things that always happens in those shows, and I don't know how much of that is, you know, I'm pretty, I'm sure a lot of it is is real. You know what actually happens when they go is they go and find out that a standard that they as a business believe is really important, it's not well understood. Maybe it's well understood by the franchisee, but may not be well understood by the franchisee's employees. So something's getting, you know, kind of lost in the translation there. So I would think that that's actually a business opportunity for people who are in the businesses, you know, the kind of business that I'm in to help a, a franchisee, what, you know, get their employees to understand and to execute to standards. I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, certainly, I mean, how many times have you gone into a franchise and expected something and what you got was not exactly what you that, expected? That That is so true. I, um, you, know, you know, a saying I use is expect what you inspect. And, and here, uh, you know, I'm going to go full circle here. So, so, you know, I, I've got a military background and, and uh -huh. a senior officer in the Navy. 
the um, your assign. I mean, at least I was on a couple different ships, and I think I was doing my best work when I was out walking around talking to my individual sailors and and petty officers and chiefs, and and really getting to know what they were doing, watching them, maybe not even talking, right? But but looking around, and that where I'm going with that is. Uh, when you're talking about franchise network with 10, 20, hundreds of units, right? That franchisor cannot uh, walk around like that. And, and that's why he relies on, on both individual franchisees that have a, either an organization to manage those stores or they own three stores and they walk around twice a week every single one of their stores or more, right? So um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it's very applicable. And I would think your, uh, uh, your listenership, if you're in the, uh, the, lean, uh, uh, the lean world is uh, coming alongside those franchisors and helping them establish those and then um, those standards. And frankly, even a step before that, identifying them and and um, you know, applying your experience in those areas. Yeah, it's also interesting. You think about kind of from the other way. So for for some of us who have um, you know really growing businesses, you know, I don't know that anyone is thinking about franchising as a way to expand your growing business. If you're you know even if you have a consulting or a coaching business, I can imagine that you actually could do that. You that you would have to. You know, you'd have to establish what the standards are. You'd have to have a, a consistent way to get people on board with that. But then you could you could actually, as you said, rent that to, that IP to somebody who could then um, continue to build the business in a you know an area that you are not geographically available. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a very interesting idea and something I have to say that I hadn't thought about in terms of 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 this kind of a business. Yet the, 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 the challenge, I think, is, um, is documentation, right? I mean, I, I, I do a lot of stuff and I write very little down, but, um, you, know, the, 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 you know, how do you package, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of experience in a, in a, in a monetizable, yeah. <laughs> you know, a monetizable way? There are, you know, there are professional coaches, very successful coaches that do do that, and uh, um, it is possible. Um, I, th- yeah, I, I think it's possible. I think it'd be challenging. Steve, what do you see? We talked a little bit about about these, uh, both the franchisor and the franchisee. That there's a that there's a leadership component to what they have to do that they may not think about at the beginning. What do you see as being the places where people have the most trouble? What is, where do they run into the, the biggest issues? Um, I think it's the block and tackling. I mean, it's, it's showing up, uh, being consistent, um, uh, consistently communication, com- communicating. Um, I, I work with, I'm a service academy graduate. I have to work with quite a few service academy graduates, just for example. And one of the things I enjoy about that is we all have a common understanding of what leadership is. And it's not management, to be honest. Mm, uh, right. Uh, it's two different things. 
And um, and I, I, I guess where I'm going there, going with that is um, uh, people who decide that they think franchising is a good route for them to take or, or becoming a franchisor need to be a, um, need to be real with themselves, need to be honest, right? You know, is this something, what does leadership look? I mean, we, we talked about under cover bots and we both know um, Jeff Duden, for example, and I, he is an extraordinary leader. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, unfortunately that's, that's, I wouldn't say it isn't common, but, but it's not consistent across the, you know, the people I work with anyways. So just understanding the difference between management and leadership is a gap. And then the kind of things that you were talking about, you know, understanding that it's important to show up, right? To be able to, you know, to, to be there, to show up in some way. If you can't show up, find somebody who can show up um, and, and actually go and see what people are doing. Um, for people who are successful, what do you see them doing? Um, well, I, I um, you know, successful as franchisees, um, you, you know, um, I, I think it goes back to being good at self-evaluation or self-reflection, um, understanding that, um, you, you know, I'll give you, I, I mean, just use my example of myself. I'm not a good accountant, but I married one, right? So, so, so understanding what you do well, um, I, I, uh, I see myself as the guy who could, um, you know, wave a flag from a mountaintop and, and draw attention and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but you're probably not the one, uh, I'm not the one you want uh, to be running your accounts payable. I just, I have little interest in it. And that's not what my 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 superpower is, so to speak, um, and I and I think when I look at successful people, they know who they are. I think first off, and you know, and sometimes I mean, honestly, that means uh, you you know being willing to take a take a weekend off and go uh, go find some place quiet to think. I mean, I've got a youngish family, not so young anymore, but that that can be difficult, but. Um, being honest with yourself, I think that's one quality uh, everybody I, I, I see a successful share. Um, and and um, yeah, and then um, one thing I'm working about is, is, um, is uh, you know, you ever hear of the term fail quickly? Um, yes, definitely. Again, that's, you know, a, that's an important principle in lean. You, yeah. if, you, if you're going to experiment, Make it a small experiment and do it first. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's something else. I think uh, that's something I, I'm just personally struggling with because, you know, I talk to a lot of people and and some people aren't suited, but I want them to be suited. <laughs> you, you know, I, I I invest myself personally in 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 most of my clients probably to um, I wouldn't say extreme degree, but but maybe more than I should. So I, I mean, those those are a couple of the quali soft qualities, um, and you can you can almost hire for everything else. Um, you know, frankly, uh, you know, supply chain. I I have a passion for supply chain and and lean organizations. At one point, I 
I was uh, uh, the master scheduler for a factory. And that in some ways, that was the funnest job I ever had. I went to a couple um, um, uh, lean, uh, I took a couple classes, a couple advanced classes, and I was gonna restructure uh, uh, this whole company's manufacturing uh, capacity and uh, uh, didn't work out that way. I mean, we, we mm. you know, Y2K came and um, the company's doing well now, but um, uh, let's just say I was in the top half of the company and uh, uh, more than half the company was let go as they restructured. But uh, that happens. Yeah. But but, but I, my, my point is, is I, I, I could embed myself in a company, something like that, and be very happy doing it. Whereas the accounting, like I said, I love talking to accountants. I love my wife, <laughs> but it's just not where my my superpowers or my right. play. Right. So, so again, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of this from, from, from two angles for the, for the folks that listen to this podcast. I mean, the first is, you know, very obviously what you're saying is, um, and this is true for any leadership, whether you are leading your business, whether you're franchising a business or a franchisee, it is very important to have those, those moments of reflection, right. To, to sit back to ask what went well and why and what didn't go well and why and and be clear and honest about your role in that and one of the things that you that you're good at um, and then the other side of that again from the for the people in this who listen to this particular podcast when you're coaching right these are these are amazing things to coach people on you know really you know to coach people on on taking that reflection time you know, give them time in a coaching session to do reflection um, and then you know, certainly encourage experimentation and help people learn to do good experiments because that's a that's a skill, I think, to be able to design and run an experiment and learn from it. Yeah. Be clear I, about what you're doing. I you know, one one other thing um I've been reflecting on myself is as a kid, I um I used to love biographies. I still love biographies, but I'd encourage your listeners, um Look at Amazon, look at some biographies, find someone uh, that you want to learn more, more about and, and read it. Uh, read a biography. It doesn't even have to be something, just someone you admire, someone you think done something right or, um, or not. You know, um, I just, one of my favorite off, authors is a guy named David McCullough. And um, you, you know, I'm just looking at some of the, the things he wrote and, uh, like I read Truman um, by him, and it was just fantastic. I mean, I didn't have a particular, I think it was, I walked through the library, I went through the David McCullough section or what have you, and I picked that up. But there's so many different great examples, good books out there. Um, and uh, I just, just something uh, that occurred to me, I, I just think um, it, it's useful to read about other people and and their their struggles, and a good biographer, right, should, would will not just um, you know, write a, a hagiography. They won't just they won't just write a book that's all about their subjects' good points. They will also talk about their struggles and their blind spots, and that it might be an opportunity then for us for our own reflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
I, I mean, another one, I was, uh, I, I mean, just a quick example, this might resonate, but I remember picking up, I used to take the train to work, so I got a chance to read, and I picked up a biography on Henry Ford, and um, um, I was having, um, I was just really struggling with um, capital issues, um, like capital investment, and um, you know, Henry Ford was kind of the, you know, he had a, um, he had a positive cash flow. He floated so much. And um, it was, I, inspirational may not be the right word, uh, but it, it, it jarred my brain into thinking capital um, and ap applications of capital in a different way. And, you know, literally I read this one section in the 45 minutes to work and it just jarred my brain to think in a different way and approach the problem in a different way. And um, anyways, I, I am going on a little bit. But I, it was, no, but that's really, I, I think that's really interesting because I think, you know, we get a lot of, of advice to read business books, right? Um, business books, even the best business book, and I know because I've written one, it's theory, right? It's not it's not necessarily application. And, and and even if it is application, it's sort of curated examples. But a good biography will will bring in all kinds of things that you may or may not have thought about. So I think that's really very very interesting advice, and um, I would challenge all my listeners to, you know, go find a, like you said, Steve, find a biography of someone you admire and see, you know, what what kind of a light does that shine for you on what you're doing and who you are? That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what is, happens with franchising when it becomes multinational? So I think, you know, I've certainly been thinking about this as as a U.S. thing. We have um, we have people who listen to this podcast from all over the world. What does it look like in a multinational environment, or even how does it vary from state to state? Um, well, so so um, let let's start with the first question. So, multinational typically. Um, if you're a U.S.-based franchisor, what you uh, will look at doing is not necessarily, shouldn't say not necessarily, but in a lot of cases, you'll find an operator in another country and then give them the franchise for the other country because the, um, the, the rules that govern franchising in one country versus another are different and there are issues with entities and that sort of thing. That doesn't mean um, you're not gonna license your trademarks and your, you, you know, like um, we were talking about coaching. I mean, there's one quote coaching organization, I think they're in seven countries and um, they do business very similarly. I mean, it's English, typically English speaking countries and the business environment is roughly similar and that sort of thing. So, uh, but, but let's say you have a food franchise. Um, you know, it may look very different in uh, uh, Panama than it does here, for example. Uh, and so having uh, someone attuned to the business um, environment in that, uh, that, that country becomes extremely important. Um, you know, um, 
Uh, I don't know how McDonald's does business, but they do a lot of business in Israel, for example. And there are all the dietary restrictions uh, that I'm not familiar with, but but I would assume it, it, it would be very important to have local um, entities set up there that's very tuned to the, um, the environment in Israel versus the US. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's, and and that also then, that sort of, we'll go back to talking about just in multi-states in the US, but that also is an opportunity then for innovation, right? Because, um, so right. I, you know, I believe in, in India, is you know that because a lot of people in India don't eat meat, so the the there is a menu, the McDonald's menu that is much less meat centric, right? Well, that's an opportunity then for McDonald's to learn how to do that and bring that back to places like the U.S. where people are interested in eating less meat, right? So, so that's so a great example. It can be a two way, um, absolutely two way. I. Uh, um, I, I, I had a high school, I, I mean, just to, to go along those themes, I mean, I had a, a high school teacher, um, just, just a great man, and um, um, he, uh, um, he was, uh, uh, when he was in his 50s, I think he just woke up one morning and said, I'm done teaching high school students, and he retired, and he had a passion to, to he was a Canadian fella, and he wanted to move overseas, moved to Poland and he started teaching, very, very well-educated guy. Shouldn't have been teaching. Certainly not me. Most high school yeah. students, uh, probably not. But uh, anyways, he started teaching at a university in Poland. And uh, part of his commitment was he lived on the professor's salary in Poland, which at that time was two, $300 a month. But, you know, whatever. And he, he said, Steve, uh, in this university town, they have a McDonald's. And my treat to myself every week is going to have a hamburger. And um, it's, it's not cheap, but he says, um, here's the thing. It's, this is right after the Berlin Wall came down, right? He goes, McDonald's is teaching uh, how employees can smile at customers. They're teaching them how to pick up a broom and sweep a floor. They're teaching them how to provide a product, which is almost non-existent. It was, I can't remember, it wasn't Warsaw, but it was one of the, the, the major cities in Poland. So, I mean, that, I, I mean, I just use that as an example of um, another, another way. I, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you know, that, that, um, that we can, um, that we can make a positive impact in our international neighbors, right? Uh, there, there are so many positives about the way, you know, what is it, the old saying, you know, America's business is business. And, and that's, um, I don't know, <laughs> it may sound, uh, it, it may sound slightly colonial, uh, but, but um, that's reality. I mean, that's one of the things I think, one of the positive things we can export to different countries is how to treat people. Because I think, by and large, America's Americans know how to do that well. Um, when they when they remember. Yes. Yeah. And that's true of my kids, of, yeah. of everyone, right? But um, you know, the, the other thing and and going back is what um, to your original question, there are so many different um, 
laws and rules governing franchises um, within the United States. It's it's basically state. Some some states make it very difficult to 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 put a franchise or to operate a franchise, especially new ones. Um, and then the other states, and you can probably uh, you can probably figure out what states are um, more supportive Easy. of new business development than others. Um, but but again, that's 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 what my company does. I mean, we we I'm registered in all states, um, or I should say, the two states that require registration. I can legally operate in all fifty states. Um, we um, uh, that's how we help out, or one of the things we do with new franchise wars is help them determine where they want to be, and then how to get get them registered or. Um, you know, operating uh, legally in all 50 states. Um, and well, and again, we, we have seven, seven overseas offices as well. So occasionally I work with overseas clients as well. So that means that a franchise, so it really needs to decide, going back to that idea of renting IP, they have to decide what it is that Rep really represents their company, their brand, their IP. What is what is absolutely sacrosanct can never be changed, and what are the things that it's all right to change, depending on where you are and what the local customs are. Right, and and again, that's that's part of what we do. Um, a lot of um, you know, let's just talk about in the United States, for example. It's so important to upfront determine those things. Even simple things, what, what is a territory for you? Is it a collection of zip codes? Is it a, a number of households with certain income level? Is it, you, you, you know, what is it? What is the size? A lot of companies, they, uh, they start out and they have a, hey, I got a great idea. And we think a, um, a good territory would be, let's say, a population of 500,000. Well, one, one of the things we can help people do is say, well, let's look at other businesses. Let's benchmark this about with other businesses. Yeah, that the average um, uh, territory size is, is 5,000 people or $50,000. Um, and this is what we see and, you know, and really determine. And, you know, that's a, you, you know, if the, the franchise takes off, that could become critical. That could be the difference between having a $50 million business and a $150 million business. Um, but we, we help avoid those mistakes because we've done that um, so consistently over the years. We, we've, we've determined what those pitfalls are, and then uh, we help our clients avoid them. So, you know, we were talking about experimenting before. There's no reason to experiment with something that somebody already knows the answer to. Mm -hmm. You just go, you got to go find the people who can, who can help you with that. Yeah. yeah. That's a wonderful thing about Google too, right? You can always, um, you know, I was Googling, I was trying to remember David McCullough's name. And while we were talking, I, you know, I pulled up Amazon and, Oh, that's it, David McCullough. That's there it is. There he is. Google, Google is our friend. Yes. Steve, how do people contact you if they would like to 
to talk more about this. I, you, you know, you pick up the phone, um, 925-344-5981 or email. Um, I, you know, I'm very passionate. I'm very bullish about American business and I'm always, always happy to have a conversation and help uh, fellow business people out either. You know, you know, if I can't help you, my next objective is find someone that can, um, but just reach out. Um, uh, you know, even if you got a funny story about a franchise, I, I'm always you'd looking like for to, funny stories. You'd, you'd like to hear it. Yeah. S- Steve, tell me, if you could only give one piece of advice to those young people in your house who are, you know, starting out or whatever they're going to start out on, what would be that one piece of advice? Wow. Um, I'm... Um, I'm going to get a little philosophical and then I'll, 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 I'll narrow it down. I think um, if I were to teach one, one piece of advice is grace, uh, be gracious with people, be forgiving, be understanding. Um, you got two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk and, and you'll be fine. Um, uh, more specifically, um, uh, find your superpower and double down. I mean, uh, we're all made differently and that's okay. Uh, you're super, uh, I mean, I've got three very different kids. I mean, one's a, is a wonderful athlete. It's going to be a wonderful business person. Another one is extremely caring and loving and kind and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't hurt someone if her, you know, even if her life depended on it. And the third one is a great academic. She'll, she's going to study and I teach and, and um, convince people that um, there, is, uh, there is value in, you know, reading the, the ancient Greek authors and, you know, that sort of thing. But find your superpower, whatever it is, and, and, and double down on it. And, and grace, be gracious. I think that's, that's beautiful. Steve Taylor, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of lean. Thank you. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Steve Taylor for being my guest on The Edges of Lean. How might you work with franchises? Or how might you franchise your own business? If you'd like to talk more with Steve about franchising, you can find him on LinkedIn. You can also find me on LinkedIn, reach out and start a conversation and tell a friend about the edges of lean. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new continuous improvement content every week. The Ages of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbike with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.